You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Bliss. If you follow me on Instagram, then you may have seen that I just started back into my sourdough starter. If you don't know what a sourdough starter is, it's totally okay. I'm really loving it. Sourdough starter is used to make sourdough bread. And I think I love making sourdough bread because it causes me to slow down, to focus, unwind, literally put my hands to something, watch something grow, and I get better at it every time, which is really fun to see growth and progress. And today's conversation really helped me figure out why I think I love sourdough bread making so much. Today's guest, Carrie Gress, joins us for this conversation of homemaking. She's an author, an online curator, a mom of five, and an inspiring homemaker herself. So I wanted her to join us to talk all things homemaking, and here's why. We all have a home to tend to and take care of. And regardless if you have people in that home living with you or not, if you're a mom or not, if you're a wife or not, or whatever, our home is the first place we can start by creating a space to nurture, to love, and to serve. Carrie co-authored a book with her friend Noelle called Theology of Home Part 2, which is all about the spiritual art of homemaking. We talk about this in the beginning of the episode, but hands up if you've ever felt weird or cringy saying that you are a homemaker, if that's what you are, or that you desire to be a stay-at-home mom, or you feel the need to justify liking to do things in your home, like chores, dishes, vacuuming, changing diapers, making dinner, all the things. We're going to dive into maybe why that is, what insecurity in our hearts is exposed when we feel that way, and what we can do about it, how we can turn it around and find purpose in our homes, because serving that space is the first step to serving the world and society. Carrie talks about this more and unpacks it all, and I am so stoked to have her on the podcast today. Carrie, welcome to Behind the Bliss Podcast. I am so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. This is going to be really fun, I think, to, to chat about this. It is, and it's timely. I feel like this conversation that we're going to have with our friends listening today is something that my friends and I are talking a lot about. Mm. And so I can imagine mm-hmm. it's it's very much a dinner table conversation, and if yeah. it's not, it should be. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I think you're right. It's one of those things where this – this idea came about long before the lockdowns and all of these crazy things happen in our world. So it's been remarkable to see just how applicable it's become, you know, over the last eight or nine months or so. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to diving in with you. Because newsflash, if people didn't think they were homemakers before, the lockdown totally taught them they are <laughs> homemakers now, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, we're either, yeah, we're struggling or thriving or somewhere in between. And so, you and your ministry with Noel too, and theology of the home, all the things. I'm just so excited to introduce to my friends listening. So before we start, though, I would love for you to introduce yourself and who you are to people listening. So I am a mother of five. Um, I just had a baby back in February, actually, right before the lockdown. So it was a really amazing time to have a baby because my, my husband was able to be home. Yeah, it was um, 
it was really great. And actually, um, he was very much a surprise. I was 46 and had just given away all our baby items and thought I wasn't having any more. And then um, God had other plans and we've just been thrilled. But um, we had to cancel our trip to Europe. And um, actually, it was supposed to be in May. So thank God we did because we wouldn't have gone anyway. Um, but uh, other than um, raising these children and, and homeschooling, I've homeschooled for probably about five or six years now. Um, I also am an author. I think I'm um, working on my ninth book right now. And I have a, a doctorate in philosophy. And I am the editor um, and founder of TheologyofHome.com, which is really an online um, aggregate site um, for Christian women for just content that we can't get out there as, as Christian women. I think that, um, you know, if you look at secular magazines where there's usually something prickly about them that, um, you know, doesn't doesn't work with our faith. So trying to find new ways to really help women understand that um, there's a there's a better way to live than than what the culture is offering us. So um, that's that's who I am. And I got a chance to read Theology of the Home 2, which mm-hmm. is all about the spiritual art of homemaking. And it spoke to me in new ways that I, oh my goodness, you guys listening are in for a huge treat because <laughs> it rocked my world and brought me, I mean, okay, I have to be completely vulnerable here. Because we're going to talk a lot about it. But homemaking. I feel like there's that weird cringiness about it to some people where they're like, oh, like, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm a homemaker. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm a, you know, domestic goddess, whatever you want to call people. (laughs) And they feel the need to justify. Do you Mm -hmm. see that often? Oh, all the time. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think – you know that's one of the real motivations for this book and the and the first book, Theology of Home, um, one um, was really just to look at ho- this idea of homemaking and how out of style it is, and yet all these aspects of homemaking are so in style. Um, so it's almost like we've just we're just told that it's out of style, but we're doing all the things, the activities that are yeah. homemaking. Um, so it's just this sort of funny disconnect. Like I do all the homemaking things, but I'm not a homemaker, you know, because we've been told that it's bad to be a homemaker, um, for, for or 50 settling years. or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or you're enslaving yourself or something like that. And, um, you know, I, I, one of, one of my previous books, I dug into this concept a lot in terms of what, um, women are being told and what, you know, what we've, we, we just kind of, kind of grew up with in the air and the water and all of that. And one of them was, you know, homemaking isn't important. And, and um, it is exactly that. It's, it's something less than if you have this um, sort of public life. Um, and so that was really what we wanted to dig into was why is there this, this disconnect between the awesome things about home, you know, the, the home industry is just booming billions of dollars are spent annually renovating our homes and our kitchens and, you know, decorating and throw pillows and all that. Um, but to actually say that you do that regularly <laughs> is a bad thing. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was really the goal was, was to, to just stretch us on this a little bit and say, well, why, why can't we put these things back together and see that they're really amazing things instead of, you know, awkward and awful. Right. What did you find about that disconnect? I'm so curious. Like, did you find a specific answer or is it just that that's kind of how our culture is right now? No. Well, it's a very good answer. I mean, a lot of it started in the 60s with um, certainly with radical feminism. And there was really this idea that um, children would just raise themselves. Um, There was also this idea that, that women, in order to be happy, needed to be like men. So it was sort of this 
awkward dynamic, um, almost schizophrenic relationship that I think women have. And it comes to us today. You can see it any day of the week in the media um, where women are told that they're supposed to be more like men and that men are supposed to also be more like women. Um, so there's this real confusion about who we are. But in the meantime, being a man is the thing that's always sort of put on a pedestal. And if you don't act in that fashion, then there's something wrong with you. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why this, these books are resonating with people so much, because what we're trying to do is sort of give back to women the, a restoration of the gifts that we have, like mentally. We know that we have them on a natural level, but how do we just kind of reclaim them and see them in a new light, in a, in a healthy light, rather than seeing them as bad? So for an example, you know, something like compassion, um, you know, this is something that we have in spades. Women are so relational and so intuitive and can suffer so well with people. You know, I'm just thinking about how much, it, you know, a mom suffers with her children or um, an aunt suffers with a niece or a nephew and, you know, even aging parents, all of that. We, we just have the capacity to, to recognize that suffering, but also how to alleviate it um, and what the needs are. Um, yeah. So those kinds of things have been sort of you know, swept under the couch, if you will, because they, they don't seem powerful. Um, and, and I think that that's really, what you know, with the In Theology of Home too, what we really did was look at, okay, we've been told we're supposed to be powerful and in control, but biblically, those aren't the virtues that women have in, in the Bible. Um, biblically, they're fruitful. Women are fruitful. And, and so we really wanted to unpack that. What does it mean to be unfruitful? What, what, it means, what does it mean to be fruitful? Um, what does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to serve others? And all of those things are where joy comes from. Um, and yet those are the exact things that we're told we shouldn't do. Um, so it's, it's, what we've done is basically set women up to be incredibly unhappy and we can see that in all the numbers um, when you look at so the social sciences about women. You know, suicides are are at an all time high. Drug abuse, substance abuse, um, you know, depression. All of these things are just rampant. So women aren't actually becoming happier, despite the fact that we have you know so and so called more power um, and more control of our lives than than we ever have. Um, so I, I think that that's really where my heart is, is how do we help women understand that they may be doing all the things that the culture is telling them will make them happy and they could still be incredibly unhappy. Um, and I know that that was the case in my own life. And it was just a matter of sort of tracing the thread back to, you know, what fundamentally are the things that women have and can give and how do I use those gifts well? So that's what changed yeah. my life. And I think that trying to gift women with this fresh look at who they are um, is, is really an important thing we can do in the culture today. That's right. And one of the things that stuck out to me that I loved so much was really this overarching theme of intentionality, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you said, we mm -hmm. all are homemaking in some way or another, like you mm -hmm. maybe make a meal every once in a while at the least, you know, like you do, mm -hmm. you do laundry, right. you do clean up, you do, I mean, you offer and serve your home something but based on who you are, it's just choosing a posture and stance of intentionality and be like, okay, Lord, with everything that I do, whether it's in the home or out of the home, at the grocery store, in the laundry room, or at my desk at work, you know, like what is it that you would have me do? And for us that are home most often, and I say us, cause I work from home, <laughs> but mm -hmm. for us that are home for majority of our day and 
do home make, I think it's important that we, we claim it as yeah. the position that Christ has called us to in this, in this space and say, okay, how can mm-hmm. I be intentional with this? And that is yeah. choosing that posture is, it's not popular. And that's why I'm like, oh, I'm glad to talk about that. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's a great way to frame it. Um, and and in a lot of ways, we are down on homemaking because the, the culture is, or we feel like it's, like you said, we were saying earlier, it's been belittled. Um, but it's interesting to think about the actual activities that we do at home. Um, you know, whether it's making a meal or, or changing diapers or whatever. Um, if they were done in a different context, if you were, say, you were a nurse or um, you say you're a waitress or something, why is it that it somehow has more glamour and appeal if you're doing it outside the home than if you're doing it inside the home, especially in light of the fact that you're doing it for people that you really love, um, that you really can give something to them in a way that you can't to a perfect stranger. Um, obviously, there's a great, there's something wonderful about charity and giving to those um, and serving others through those kinds of capacities. But again, if you look at the culture, the culture tells us that the, the nurse's job is so much more important than the homemaking job. Um, so yeah, I, I think absolutely seeing it in that light and seeing how, um, you know, these aren't trifles. These aren't the, these things that we're doing day in and day out um, for our family members are actually incredibly important in terms of helping them know that they're loved to know who they are, to feel like they're nurtured and they're secure. Um, and it's in planning all of that in the souls that we serve, that then serves the society in a much deeper and profound way, I think, than we could ever dream of. Um, and it's just, it's challenging. So I think that, the, you know, to do that day in and day out. So I think that that's really um, where a lot of the, the the negative can come from is just sort of feeling like it's a grind. Um, yeah. And yet, if we are intentional about it and see it in this kind of new light, like this isn't menial, this isn't unimportant, then suddenly it's a little easier to do, I think. Right. Yeah. You speak to this in the introduction of the book, which I loved and set it up so well, um, that homemaking is a career. So if you are out there and you're listening and you're doing the dishes with us, like while you're listening, (laughs) I, I love hearing how people listen to this. Some people are on walks, some people are or at their desk. Some people are doing dishes, changing diapers, all the things. And if you are the one listening, there's like, I am a homemaker and you're finding confidence in that place that you are at the moment. Um, one of my favorite things in the beginning of Theology of the Home, the second book, was this three questions that you, that are used to evaluate career happiness. Mm-hmm. And the first one is, am I respected and known in my job? The second one was, do I know why my job matters? And the third one was, am I progressing in my work? And is there a measure for this progress? And so just like any other place that we are serving people, it's important that we look at this as as a stewardship opportunity too, which was really neat what this kind of called out in me. And so I would love to hear maybe your practical ways to encourage someone that are like, wow, those are really good questions to start thinking through, Mm -hmm. like how to practically work through them to answer these for ourselves yeah. in this career of homemaking? Yeah, no, I, I mean, those three questions I think were, were really interesting and, and we framed them in the introduction because we wanted to show very specifically why homemaking is so hard. And it's because the, the answer to those questions is is, is not really positive in, in general. 
Um, you know, are you treated well, like we were saying already, you know, homemakers, if you say you're yeah. a homemaker, people just sort of look at you cross-eyed and change the subject. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, but, and part of that has to do with just all the conveniences that we all, we have in the, in the culture too. Um, it, it, you know, it seems like it's not essential to cook every day and, it, you know, all the things that used to be essential, like even laundry, I, you know, I've been really focusing on how grateful I am to have a, a washing because um, can you imagine how much time it would take to wash all these clothes like in a wash bin and anyway um no. so hang dry <laughs> yeah yeah and I lived in Europe actually for a couple of years and I, it, that I never had a dryer so just even the, the the you had to be you know two or three steps days ahead of yourself because you had to let your clothes dry for a couple of days before you could wear them you know and that was nothing I mean, it was just a dryer but I can you can imagine how much time was spent just doing the laundry and yet there was probably a lot a tremendous amount of satisfaction in that in terms of knowing that you got that that stain out and you know you were after it for hours and um doing everything you could to get certain stains out and there was some amount of satisfaction in seeing a pile of you know beautifully bleached sheets and things like that, that you know, you worked hard to get to, um, and darning socks, knitting a sweater, you know, all of these things used to be part of the experience of homemaking and now they're not there. So what is the experience? Well, it's, you know, I, I changed my clothes from the washing machine to the dryer and push a button. <laughs> I mean, these are not this, I'm not growing in virtue in that. Like I'm not getting better at that. <laughs> I'm not getting better at sorting the darks from the whites and you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's also a lot of driving, um, or at least prior to the lockdowns, um, with sports and, and school and whatnot. Um, so I, I think it's, we have to look at, at a lot of the things that we are the bare minimum of homemaking and see that, um, they haven't, that they also don't edif we don't feel edified by that experience um, necessarily or feel like we're growing in, in a certain way. Um, but that's, I guess, the beauty too of the fact that all of these arts are coming back because you know, actually I just, prior to doing this, this podcast, I was just outside with a friend who has helped me the last few years planting our own garden, trying to figure out what we're going to do for the spring and what needs to be cut back and fertilized and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just an amazing thing to sort of have this some this garden in our life that now it's it's really fun to grow our own food you know not that we grow that much but just that that my kids are involved in it and i'm always amazed at how much grows in a short amount of time in the growing season it's just like where do those tomatoes come yeah. from <laughs> you know yeah. um you know they're not store bought they i like i grew that so anyway it's really fun to to experience that um so I think that there are, the nice thing is, is that if you read through this list and you're sort of discouraged by it, um, the nice thing is that the, the home arts have made a comeback in ways that I don't think anybody anticipated 25 years ago. Um, if you see the proliferation of, you know, Food Network and, um, you know, everything that Joanna Gaines does. And I was about to say, I'm back into sourdough making and so I have my sourdough. starter and it's so fun. Yeah. yeah. It's not yes. weird anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Imagine 10 years ago taking a sourdough starter to somebody. You know, they probably think you're a little weird 20 years ago, especially. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's the great thing is those things are coming back. Um, but I think the bigger issue is even just, and, and uh, I'm sure you have people listening too that, that don't have kids or they work outside the home. Um, but the key is to recognize that this isn't just 
related to the home. It's related to the woman um, and what she brings to the lives of, of others, that she has the capacity to help people become better. Um, and that's what we do at home, but that's what happens in the workplace as well. And um, we've gotten in the workplace so used to just catty women and gossip and competition and, you know, all that drama that just gets so exhausting. Um, and I think people are really drawn to women that have that capacity to listen, um, to be present, um, to be patient, to be kind. Um, those things go so far these days because people don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> They're not used to experiencing it. Um, and yet those are the things that help people trust us and help people to know themselves better and grow in their own workplace or, um, you know, even among your friends, if you're, if you're single, um, or, you know, reaching out to extended family. So anyway, I, I think we also can, can get too focused on just the home itself and forget how do we do this in the workplace as well. Um, so anyway, I, I, I yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of things at our fingertips that weren't there in terms of being hospitable and, um, whatnot that, that we didn't have previously, but that I think that we have now, um, that make it a lot easier. And, and I think the home, that part of, am I respected in my work? Well, that's just going to be something that is just going to take time, I think, for people to start appreciating it. And maybe this is sort of fast forwarded things a lot with the lockdowns and people being at home so much, um, because suddenly we have a, we do have a renewed appreciation for it. Um, it's kind of a silver lining of this whole, um, you know, past nine months. Yeah, absolutely. I sure hope so, at least. <laughs> like, I have learned, <laughs> I've, I've tried to learn how to make my home a cozy space, even if it's just me. And my husband went away for mm-hmm. officer training school during the middle of the pandemic. So while everything was shut down, it was just yeah. me and my dog. And I had to keep myself mm-hmm. disciplined and responsible over my own things. And was like, if, if even I'm the only person I serving or growing our people virtually or I'm trying to grow myself so be it like how can I do this and so that's actually how I got involved in the sourdough starting because like you I just was finding things around the house a little bit more monotonous but that slowed me down caused me to stop and want to grow and and get better at so I love that and I'm thinking through this now Mm. that there's there's two types of women listening or they can find themselves in one of two areas either one they'd consider themselves like yes yeah, I am a full-time like career homemaker. And then you have the other mm-hmm. women who are like, well, I definitely homemake, but that's not where I spend majority of my time during the day. May have another mm-hmm. job, maybe they're a student, maybe they're single, whatever. And so mm-hmm. I would want to ask for the woman who wouldn't consider herself in the career of homemaking, but does desire to make it more of a purpose-driven area mm-hmm. of her life. How would you practically yeah. encourage yeah. her to do that? Um, again, I think it goes back to how we think about ourselves. Um, and this is uh, something that I've dug into to in previous books. Um, it's just this old idea of women carry things. Um, and it sounds crazy to, to, to throw that out initially, but if you look back at even ancient Greek work, um, they understood women, women in terms of vessels. Um, and you know, if you look at our bodies, they tell an amazing story. We've got obviously hips and wombs and, you know, there's, we're carrying somebody when we have children. Also, even our arms, um, most people don't know this, but our arms are bent slightly. Like if you put your arms straight out and, and you're looking at the, your palms, 
your arms will bend a little bit. If you look at a man's, they just kind of go straight no out. Way. Yeah. No notice that. Yeah. So that is also a way because so we can cradle a child more easily. Um, my, my husband gets tendonitis every time we have a baby because he's holding the baby and his arms just aren't <laughs> made to do that. So, right. um, so that even romance languages too rec- recognize this um, carrying factor um, in, in the um, objects that are feminine. So like the ocean is a feminine word. Um, and that's because the ocean carries things and it moves things. Um, and a ship is feminine because, and that's why ships are always named after women. Um, because they mimic this capacity of, of women. Um, and I think that this is something that we do both biologically, but even very phys- very spiritually and emotionally. We carry people with us on our hearts. Like if you know somebody who's struggling, maybe somebody's family member has cancer or you know, someone's going through a divorce or whatever. Those people are on your heart in a very yeah. real way. They're on your mind. They're in your prayers. They're very present. Um, but the great thing is, is that women weren't just meant to sort of carry things around. We were meant to improve them. And we can see this very much, you know, in this, the this story of Christianity. Look at Eve. I mean, the, the disruption and the destruction and the division that happened when she said no to God is kind of a, is just such a great archetype for us to see division is going to happen. It, mm-hmm. All of that's going to happen. We're not, when, when we say no to what God has in store for us. And we can see the opposite in um, the Christian story, certainly when the Virgin Mary said yes to the angel Gabriel to allow Christ um, to be conceived in her. That changed, pivoted the whole story dramatically. Um, so one woman says no, and it destroys the world. The other woman says yes, and it restores the world. Uh, anyway, the, the, the point being that, again, we ha- if we're, half of our time is at work, that doesn't mean that we don't we leave these things behind, um, that we be, suddenly become a different person. But it means that we're going to use these gifts in a different way, um, but in a, in a workplace serving others there. But we also need to, uh, you know, there's that bridge or straddling that goes on where we still have to do it at home, too. And we still have to be the heart of the home and know the needs of our children and our spouse and um, our neighbors and family and, and all of that. So I think it's a really hard thing that we're called to do that constant juggling. And I know I feel that way, even though I work at home, um, you know, that constant juggling of trying to meet the needs of my family and friends, but also take care of what has to be done at work. So, um, but trying to approach all of it with this sense of God has placed these people in my life and I need to be the best woman I can in light of who he's put in my life to all of these people and all of these relationships um, to, to give these gifts in a way that I've been gifted to, to provide for others. Um, So I think that that, that way of looking at things versus sort of a, um, you know, uh, I'm almost like a spiritual mullet, you know, (laughs) like I'm one woman at home and I'm somebody else out in the world. Like we don't have to do that. We we can be the same person um, to different degrees, of course, um, but in the world and, and at home. Right. Yeah. I love that. And then for the woman mullet, that's how it's going to stick with me. This is you know what I meant, part though. of the back. Right. Oh, exactly. I know exactly what to do it. That yeah. was perfect. Hilarious. And then I'm thinking too now for the woman who is at home, she's like, Carrie, Rachel, this is a great conversation for me. Like I've been needing this honestly pep talk of purpose and find practical ways to not only 
do the dishes or to change the diapers, but to show up happy and joyful to do so and Mm -hmm. to serve my family. How would Mm -hmm. you encourage her if she is in that position? But I think, I mean, a lot of my friends that are full-time homemakers, it's, I think it's hard for them because they're like, oh, I just feel like there's more to this. Yeah. So how can they find that more? Yeah. I think that that's a really hard thing. Um, I remember those years that, you know, I had five, I had four kids, um, five and under, and I didn't live near family. I had, we we live in a very transient area, so I would make friends and they would move. And um, it was just, I just felt alone so, so much of the time. And um, so I think that was, that, that was probably the hardest part. Um, And it's really during that time, I can see looking back on it very clearly now that that was really where God was calling me to himself in ways I never dreamed of. I'm just even learning to pray differently um, to be present to him, you know, in prayer, even, you know, throughout the day, whenever I had silence, it, it just became a way for me to talk to him all the time. Um, and I didn't do it that way before. I, I, I felt um, there was more of a distance, I think. Um, but it, it took that sort of dark night, if you will, um, and that this probably six, seven or eight years of just um, feeling very isolated that really changed me. Um, in, in a lot of ways. And I think that that's the hard part is, is, uh, you know, I'd love to give these women a quick fix. I'd love to say, right. Oh, all you have to do is go to the store and buy this. You don't. <laughs> and that doesn't work, unfortunately. And that's actually a sign, you know, when we're, we're out being a shopaholic or something, trying to find answers in other places, it's usually a sign um, that we're not looking for God. We're not looking to, to tap into what he has wow. yeah. for us, um, that we're trying to find a distraction or, you know, scratching an itch with something that will not get to the itch. Um, so that's not to say it's going to be easy. And, uh, you know, all of us know that, but there's also a lot to be said for what's happening in that, in those struggles. Um, and seeing that we're, we're growing in ways that we wouldn't have grown otherwise. Um, I know even just in terms of, actually, it was funny. I had this one stage, I, I used to travel a ton. And my husband tells me now, like, I was kind of that high maintenance traveler, because I was just used to, <laughs> you know, being in the front of the plane. And, you know, I had all these miles. And um, I don't think I was ever, like, terribly obnoxious, but I just wasn't patient. And um, so it was funny, I, I flew with my uh, then one year old uh, out to Oregon to see family. And I was like, I was just so happy to be on a plane. <laughs> so happy that I didn't care where they put me like that's fine you know you put me anywhere so it was just amazing to see that transformation I think that that's one of those things that it feels kind of glacial these things are happening very slowly um and yet then you have moments like that where you're like wow I've been made uh, you know I'm so much better than I was so much more patient I'm so much more understanding um and I think that those are important things that we have to pay attention to because a lot of that is happening. And this is, it's natural. I mean, this is how God, God uses these things to take us out of our narcissism, um, take us out of ourselves. Um, and, and we can see those things happening very slowly. So, um, yeah, I would love to be able to say that there's something easy that we can do to, to take the strain off. But I think it's the, the real fundamental answer is prayer and allowing God to transform our lives through those challenges, but also being grateful for the things that we have. Um, even just being grateful, like when I get into a you know, dark mood, I just sit and think, let me just right now look around me and see everything that I'm thankful for. <laughs> like I was saying, my washer and dryer, 
um, my warm home, my amazing husband, you know, the list could go on and on and on. And I, I think it's those kinds of moments that are, are going to be a huge boost um, and just kind of shift the attitude because it's like it, it, it does have to be intentional and it is work to avoid kind of getting into this pity party and feeling sorry for yourself. But I understand the pity party because there's a lot working against us too. So um, yeah, it's just a balance of prayer and, and reality and, but also recognizing sometimes you just need a glass of wine. Yes. And one of the things that I pulled out from reading through your book was this idea that um, this is for everyone. This is for anyone who finds themselves in either boats, right? But as I was reading through, I tried to find and write down different ways I can purposely do things in my home. Like mm. instead of just going through the motions, it really kind of caused me to stop and pause and reflect and be like, you know what? I would love to have a garden. We do live on a military base. And so that might not happen, but like, right. what can I, what can I do with what I've got? And mm-hmm. so some of those were doing dishes and praying over our community that will eventually sit around the table or like even vacuuming and asking the Holy Spirit to just be in this space with us and be evident. Mm-hmm. So when people walk in, they're like, something's different. Um, Christy Knuckles has a podcast called Glorious in the Mundane. And in one of her episodes, she talks about um, this idea of kind of intentionality in the home. And one of the things that her friend encouraged her to start doing was like, while you're folding your kids undies, like praying for their purity and like when you're folding their socks together, praying for where their feet are going to go. And it's just, I think, yes, like when you step into that space and say, I know there's no quick fix. There's nothing I can just go and buy. Nothing I can just eat or wear or whatever to make myself feel like this is more that gives you the opportunity to invite the Lord into this bigger space to help you navigate it and that's where you're where you'll find the more is then these eternal mm-hmm. resources we have you know mm-hmm. and that goes for anything in life but especially yeah. in homemaking when you feel like a little bit of an underdog sometimes <laughs> I think that I think that's right and I I like that I think that desire for the more it's always one of those moments where you can realize like, oh, I really want a lot more than I think I want. You know, I don't just want a new handbag. Um, I want God and uh, tapping into that and being aware of that is, is so crucial. Um, and, and what an amazing game changer it is. I love, I love that praying for this, the, um, child and their socks and underwear when you're folding those things. I think that's such a, um, great practical idea and makes it feel very purposeful. Like you're sort of already, already out in front um, trying to protect them and prepare for them. And, you know, that idea, again, you're holding them in your, your soul, you're holding them in your mind, you're holding them in your heart. Um, and you know, it's, it's going into the socks. So I Mm -hmm. I love that idea. You mentioned gardening, but I want to know, like, are there any other things that you love about being a homemaker that you're like, I look forward to doing that or learning more about this or to get guidance about fill in the blank? You know, um, it's really funny. I love bringing order to things. I'm not that great at it. And actually, if you saw my house right now, you would laugh. <laughs> but, um, I I really like it when things can be organized and clean. And um, there's something really satisfying about that that I never really, I didn't really pay much attention to it before when I was single. Um, and yet that that's something that I really like. I also, like I was just saying, I really like... Um, being prepared and anticipating needs, um, as they, as they come up. 
Um, and that's not so practical. Well, I guess it's practical in terms of um, just thinking about like yeah. making sure we have things on hand so that when I go to make X meal, it's already there. I don't have to make a, another extra grocery run. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I guess, and part of the problem is, is I, I've, I'm, I've been called ruthlessly efficient um, before. So <laughs> I love that. I've taken as a compliment. I don't think it was meant as a compliment, but um, so I think that that's where, why I like order and preparation because I'd like to, ha- I, I don't like if I'm trying to get something done, I don't want to have to stop what I'm doing to take care of it um, or to get it, be able to finish a project. But so those are things that I um, really like doing. And maybe gardening is part of that is sort of feeling like I've got things at my fingertips. Um, so yeah. that's, that's sort of something that I've um, really appreciate. But I, at the same time, I don't like crafts at all. <laughs> you're breaking the stereotype that's right yes so I am not at all um I'm I think I'm allergic to crafts actually um so yeah that's something that I don't don't enjoy at all either um but I gratefully I have this wonderful husband that loves to cook so um I cook most of the meals except like when he on weekends he does them um because he does a much better job and um, he actually enjoys it so um I feel really blessed in in that respect too that I don't um have to cook every meal and um do that so yeah it's it's funny how um there's some things that are are just reveal your personality very very clearly I think and that's uh, again just trying to make sure I've got everything on hand and my ducks are lined up and um everything's in order so yeah but I would love to be one of those women that can just look at something and say oh you need to move that couch around and Put a vase there and put the books here. Like those are not my like gifts. Like Michael and Smith, um, the nester. Yeah. That's totally her gift. And I look at that yeah. and I'm like, good for her. You know, yeah. I yeah, will read I her books. <laughs> yeah. No, it's amazing when you see that. And my co-author, Noelle Marrying, has that capacity. So it's fun when I need help because she can step up and, and step into that. But Yes, um, we all need a Noelle. We all need a Noelle in our life. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's another thing too that – we can do is offer our gifts to other people because I, I, I think just being able to, she has gifts that I don't have and I have gifts that she doesn't have. And it's just fun um, to be able to trade those in, in true friendship. Totally. Yeah. Especially that's what I was hearing you say too about your friend coming over and helping evaluate your yard for the garden and like me sharing my sourdough starter, you know, we all have something too that we can help overflow Mm-hmm. And even help serve other families well besides and our I, own. And I think that what that does too is it knocks down sort of that um, that natural propensity that we have to compare ourselves to others because that can be really stifling and, and really, especially spiritually, very much a, a drag on our mm-hmm. life, that constant comparison that, that women just are prone to do. Um, but when you know what your gifts are and you know, like, nope, those aren't mine, it's a lot easier to just not try to become the nester, you know, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's not where I'm going to go. I don't need to compare myself to, to her gifts. So, um, yeah, I think that that's, um, a- another aspect of it is, especially when you're actively using them too, um, and serving others with them. There's something very satisfying in that. Okay. One, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask, and now I'm super curious because I, I hope it's something super fun. But what is something that you're loving these days that you have to share with the people? It could be homemaking something. It could be totally random. 
Oh, you know what I love right now? And actually, um, I've kind of been obsessed with it for a few weeks is <laughs> Mrs. Meyer's her the Christmas line. I mean, it's where it's after Christmas, of course. But but you're still got, hanging on. <laughs> I, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it I out. I love it. Um, yeah, because it's hard to find. I um, but if you go to MrsMeyers.com, it's all there. They have this pine soap that is just amazing. And I, you know, I grew up in Oregon, and I could go to the mountains anytime I wanted to. And now I can't do that at all. So I think I'm very homesick for the mountains right now. But this pine soap that Mrs. Myers makes has been um, my favorite thing this season. And I've, I've bought it in the spray. I've bought it in this, the dish soap and the hand soap. Um, but I, I think it's just a great winter scent. It's not, you know, it's not just Christmas, um, because it's pine and it just feels very, yeah, you know, earthy like it, and good. Right. It just brings that the mountains to you. And, um, we, we have a, a, an online store, um, at theology of home and we actually just started, we just started pouring a new candle and it's got that earthy mountainy, freshness it's called eden um and we're Ooh. we're pouring we poured some last weekend we're pouring our big batch this weekend um and i just love it so yeah maybe it's um find something with pine or cedar or some sort of great winter candle or soap um because it, it has been just a really fun um seasonal find for for me especially through winter especially when it's dark and you know christmas yeah. is past and you're sort of waiting for spring um it's just been a something that's brought a tiny bit of joy to my life oh yeah it makes carrie happy that's amazing it does, it does. i'm like i'm holding on to my fraser fir candles and i'm still lighting i've got a oh, few yeah. left and my husband was like do you want to put these up with our christmas decorations i was like uh no we will burn them all this year that's yeah so yeah yeah no there's I'm something about those scents that feel homey and comforting and really cozy it's true it's beautiful i love that about Christmas and pine and Fraser fir and just all the plants, really, truly all the plants. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Well, I, I am just praying that women listening today have felt so met where they are, whether it's in their home, whether it's on a drive, wherever you are, that you are so excited to get home and to serve people inside your home well, because I love what you said earlier, Carrie, that that's where we build society is within our homes first. And we have this beautiful responsibility of creating a home, nurturing people, loving them well. And I, this conversation was for me. It was so needed. But I do want you to brag on yourself. If someone wants to find more about you or Noel, Theology of the Home, get their hands on the book, where can they do all that? Oh, goodness. Well, the best place to go is um, is theologyofhome.com. Um, you can find both of our bios and websites there, but, um, yeah, that's where, um, you can also find our books. Our books are available at, at, at you know, Amazon and the, the usual book outlets, um, as well. But, um, we, we would love to invite you to come to our website cause I think it's a special experience for women and, um, just trying to create a home and, and a sense of community, um, at, at that site as well. Yes. And I will say, I will repeat it again. These, the photos in this book are so beautiful, <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> so if you are a picture book girl like me, I'm like, the words are amazing, hundred percent. And the pictures are just beautiful as well. So with the two combined, it is just the best coffee book table, but also it's dense and very good. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, and that was all very purposeful because we know 
the visuals really underscore the, the meaning of the words. And I, I think we don't see enough of it. We don't see enough of healthy families and pregnant women and dads who are capable and competent and um, just joy. Um, and that's, that's something that I think we could all use more of these days, huh? Yeah, that's right. We all need more joy. And there's all, there's that potential for all of us too. Amen. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.